Isn't there like a button that shows it's oh, starting not. recording? Dot dot dot. Okay. Oh, and we are live. Welcome back to the Womp Cast. Today we are digesting and dissecting the world with Karina Zhao. Hello, welcome to the Womp Cast. Hi, Kristen. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to begin with, uh, okay, as a preface, the internet has been absolute trash today because uh, the Langley municipal government is very incompetent. So if we cut out, then I'm sorry, I'll try to reduce it as much as possible, but it's going to be awkward at times. So um, I'm going to begin with an introduction of Karina. So Karina and I met through a mutual childhood friend we've known each other since what grade uh grade, i want to say grade five grade four yeah oh my goodness yeah. uh -huh. it's been a long time <laughs> and you know um we would see each other maybe two times a year when yeah. that person's house and you used to be a head taller than all of us, and now <laughs> I am oh a head taller goodness. than you. Oh, oh that was like my best. That was my peak. Dark. Those were my peak days where I was like, I could loom over everybody. Now I have to look up, and it hurts. It really hurts. <laughs> yeah, it was your full peak. But, uh, yeah, so that, oh, oh, how, how times change. So, um that's how we first met and then the second major interaction was we both participated in a speech competition and at the time i'm going to be honest with you at first i thought you were like super cool because i remember you having this some sort of like touch screen device that you would lug around every single time you came to person's house and <laughs> at the time this was when technology was kind of a rarity so my god look at this uh you know how cool she has an ipad <laughs> so cool <laughs> so i thought you were really cool yeah. yeah and then and then at the speech tournament i think this was in grade uh seven mm -hmm. uh, at the time this this tournament i didn't really like you at the time because i was i was in a very competitive mindset okay this was my first speech competition i wanted to do well and then i saw you you were you were a very simpatico individual so you had like a lot of charisma magnetism you like to interact with people i remember you know during practices you're like uh, like mingling with all the other uh and uh laughing and i was like well this this person this person my goodness she she's not taking this seriously <laughs> and yeah so i I don't know why I'm so upset about it, but but in the, in the end, you placed first, and I got like a rising star award, and they didn't even spell rising right; they wrote like raising star. So, <laughs> and that experience, <laughs> that experience taught me a lot because um, I realized that uh, winning doesn't necessarily mean that you have won, and you showed me winning had a very successful process and you seem to very enjoy the process i don't know maybe you hated those people but you looked like you were having fun really it really hit me that you know i shouldn't be 
I should have fun, enjoy the process, you know? So that's the first thing. The second thing that I, uh, that, that second, um, what is it? Instance that I remember about you that, um, that I really uh, appreciate is I remember, I think this was early in high school. Wait, by the way, am I cutting out? Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay. Yeah. In early high school, you posted a video of you uh, singing like a song from Adele. I, I don't know in public, and uh, you were you were singing, you were playing at the piano, and people around you, you were, and that really. I, when I was uh, uh, my, uh, making this uh, introduction, I tried to find the video again. I couldn't find it. Did you delete it? I, I archived it. <laughs> I got insecure. <laughs> it's, it's such a it's such a powerful video. I love it so much because yeah. early in high school, this was probably grade eight. This was a time when everyone was trying to blend in with the backdrop, right? This was a stage of adolescence where everybody was trying to find their clique, and um, I don't know. I, I felt that you like someone who stood out against the backdrop, and like this, like you would make all these public murals. And uh, in fact, you're the only person on Instagram that I turn on post alerts for. I really like you your posts. So Wait. I. Oh my goodness, that's so sweet. Sorry to interrupt, but like that is so sweet to know. <laughs> I think I told you before, guys. Uh, so yeah, I, I, that was a very powerful moment because I, I know a lot of people are going to arts now, but you did this at a time where uh, being artsy and creative was just, uh, you know, starting. It, it was like the stage before it began to gain steam on social media. So yeah, you were you were part of the pioneering generation. And yes, the third anecdotal example is our mutual childhood friend telling me how I remember this very clearly because she was very upset about it she's like because she she would be very meticulous with her artwork you know she would make s small lines small incremental changes and you would she said you would take big strokes <laughs> big strokes and somehow it turns out into something beautiful in the end so I don't know I thought that was very um uh yeah so you always struck me as someone who's very bold and individualistic and I really admired those uh qualities of you so I'm very excited to have this conversation with you because Karina is an amazing artist okay she you have this I, I don't know. I really appreciate looking at your art, even though we never really had, like I said, I, I, we never really sat down and had this discussion where I dissected your brain, so to speak, figuratively. Okay, I'm, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoy your art. So, you go, girl. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that Thank is you my so introduction. <laughs> I remember on your last podcast, you said your your goal was to make everybody blush, and I am blushing right now, <laughs> even though you can't see me. Oh, oh my god, you you you! Oh my god, you you listened to, to my podcast? Um, oh yeah. What an honor! I am blushing now. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Wait, oh, sorry. This is this is just I'm I need to turn on my camera because I don't like calling if I can't see at least my face oh my goodness and so you gotta I, check yourself out yeah <laughs> i got it 
No, it feels so disconnected. I'm talking to my table right now. I mean, I'm talking to you, but I'm looking at my table and it feels kind of weird. So just let me know if it doesn't work. Okay, this feels more comfortable because I don't know if I'm going to speak over you. I want to see body language. Okay, so yeah, yeah. so that's Karina. So for the first part of the podcast, I like to be a little bit more uh, personal and have like do... Um, like sort of a documentary of you. So why don't you room your story as an artist, right? Your history, your creative processes, your inspiration, you know, how, how you got to where you are. Um, and where do you want to go from here? What are your goals with your art? What do you hope to inspire in your audience? Yeah, okay. Thank you so much for the introduction. Um, and like, as you said in there, I don't know, I've ever since like a really young age, I've just really been drawn to artistic things, I guess. Like I never classified it as like, okay, this is art and I'm gonna pursue this, or, you know, this is painting, I'm gonna make it look like this. And I just have been really naturally drawn to it. And honestly, I wish I knew why. I wish I could dissect my own brain. <laughs> like I wanna go back and see like, <laughs> where did I start like being okay I want to paint this or I want to draw and take pictures of this but I just know that it was like I love making things that were beautiful and um that was like things that I could share with other people like that was a really important part for myself growing up as well and recently you know mm -hmm. graduating high school I get to reflect on like okay what what did I do these few years <laughs> and I honestly I don't even know but I, I was looking at like in grade eight like you said like my parents have always told me to like just just go for it you know like you got to step out of your comfort zone and that kind of stuff and um we have that shared experience with that speech contest that was really really life-changing for me as well because I realized you know as long as I took a step towards something I could do it right I did not want to do the contest at first. I was like repelled by it, and but I took a chance. And in my first, <laughs> yeah, I was forced to do it, but I loved it. Um, and I remember my first art class. It was like a sketching class. Um, and then right after the first class, I was like, Mom, I don't want to do it again. Like I don't want to. I don't. It's hard. Is I don't want to try it again. And then she said, just like, give it one more class, and then you make up your mind. So I did, and then now I'm going to art school, so <laughs> it works out um, if you give it a try, mm -hmm. kids. But I think, in general, I think I haven't explored, like, I've, like, touched the surface of, like, art and what it, the potential it has, right? Like, I've made t-shirts before, I've painted murals, but there's just so much, like, I haven't yet explored yet so i'm really really excited to see what what i have for the future um it's such a vague thing too though like what what the hell is art <laughs> we'll talk about this later but you know it's so i don't want to define myself <laughs> as an artist because it feels so strange to like compare myself like i am someone who is mastered in this like field and i'm definitely not right not even close so you know what it's it's a part of my life and I love making it inspiring, like make stuff that inspires people that like heals myself in a way. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Am I, hello? Hello? <laughs> hello? <laughs> Hi. You're good. You're okay, good. I'm gonna turn off my camera. 
Okay, for now, because yeah, the internet just hates me today. Okay, that was wonderful. I just want to know, uh, I know you don't want to define yourself as an artist, but I'm curious to hear what drew you to the artistic mediums that you pursued so far and what mediums you want to explore in the future and why? Yeah, I've mostly dealt with like 2D mediums throughout my life. Like, um, obviously I've been trained in like the technical art like styles, like sketching, painting since I was eight years old, I think. So it's been 10 years, but, um, <laughs> and I've loved photography. Like it's just been such an integral part of my life. When I got my first camera, I just like, I got so excited. We w I went to the beach, I started taking pictures of random people <laughs> and I think that might be illegal, but, they were really nice about it and I love them and um, I really hope I can still do that in the future but going into like the more professional art industry I think I would love to explore like like physical th like modeling and stuff like that um, making like actual things for people so the major that I'm applied for right now is industrial and product design and so that's like everything that I love it's like art, creativity, and it's like innovation and um, like improving people's lives. So I've never done a lot of it though, so I'm scared, but I think it will be really interesting to explore. It's quite broad and there's a lot to it. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty exciting, I think. But what inspires you as an artist? What inspires me as an artist? People. I. This is like a thing that I've realized ever since I was really little, I've just been drawn to people, like people's faces and the way that people interact with things. Um, <laughs> in grade eight or nine, I think, I invited like random seniors, <laughs> high school seniors to my house just so I could take pictures of them. And it was, oh gosh, <laughs> thinking back, it's so unsafe. <laughs> but they were really friendly, like they became some of my best friends. and. I was just like, hi, can I do a photo shoot with you? Because I like your facial features. I think uh, I want to make this message. And they just came <laughs> over and they did it. And I was like, cool. And they were really great pictures, mm -hmm. actually. And I did a few projects like that. Like, I just went to like these school clubs and I was like, um, I want to make this video um, about empowerment or something. And I wanted someone to help me with it. And people would so willingly just, you know, given their advice and given their time and yeah so people I think there's a lot of stories behind people as well like uh when I went to Yunnan in China like three summers ago I I, I, don't, I wasn't thinking of like oh I'm gonna make something out of this at the time I was just taking a bunch of pictures like every corner and every person that I saw I would secretly um take a picture of them so it's <laughs> candid and they they were really like I they were really authentic pictures and you could see the lifestyle of the people there like the way they interact with their environment and so when i came back i did like two photo exhibitions for them um at my school and at, at like a community center just because like their lifestyle is so different from what we have in canada right and through pictures through mediums through this artistic medium I felt like you could connect these two worlds together, right? You have the Canadian lifestyle and then the um, the village lifestyle in that city in China. So I don't know. I think people are the center of everything, um, especially like, you know, human emotions, that human perspective towards the world. Um, 
it's gonna be yeah honestly i think that's the that's the main purpose of art right to to interact to understand humans to kind of feel that kind of connection with other people or just to get to know yourself more yeah hmm. Hmm. so what do you want where do you want to go with this what are your goals what are your plans with the art okay so this is life planning with Karina 101. So obviously with <laughs> art, like you want to do art in the future. That's every Asian parent's like worst nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> like my brother is a nurse. He, he got the, the good stable job here, but I'm really lucky. Like my parents are super supportive of, of what I want to do. So I think there are two aspects to it. There's one that like, yourself like it's for your own growth your own development right your own aesthetic uh pleasing and your own kind of mindset growth the other one is like how do you actually make a living out of it <laughs> and that one i still haven't really figured out i don't even know how i'm gonna do it but there isn't it like there are there's demand for artistic things and it's really great when it becomes part of like I don't know people's daily lives in a way right they they should serve i think they should serve a function in the way the world works or you know they should be in integrated way more than they are now what i want to do though like in the long long term like when i'm maybe like 50 and actually established i just want to make like like these okay like galleries or stuff that makes people feel more than just like what they see you know that's the main thing i think like tr really good art holds um as in like okay you can read a story you can read a book right and you can read the words that are on the page but it's the story within like the language it's the the tones and imagery that's created that makes you actually feel something about the story it makes you remember it or uh, it makes you change maybe something that you um, previously held on to. So, yeah, I hope art actually, like the art that I can make for the world actually changes people or like affects them in a way that's beyond just like them viewing what it is, you know? Do you know, Kristen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, she's frozen. <laughs> I know. Or is she? Yeah, maybe she's just giving me a now? poker face. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, but seriously, am I still frozen? Am I no. moving? Hi. Yeah, you're good. Oh, wait. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay, by the way, I just want to say to the audience, because this is only audio, like, I don't know, there's just, there's just this aura right now radiating off you that I can feel through the screen and it's making me so happy like you have no idea I feel so like jittery right now in a very good way it's like like I just feel passion oozing off you you know so I really like people like that we need people like you thank you for and thank you thank, thank you Karina's mom yes, <laughs> thank, thank you, you Karina's mom for greeting you she does a lot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> by you, the way, talking about uh, mothers. So, how did your parents come around to, um, let's say, supporting or at least tolerating? Because you know, Asian parents been through your past. Yeah, mm -hmm. I know that I'm in like a very, very lucky position where 
like my parents, they're 100% on board to whatever kind of career that I decide to pursue and including the arts. And like, I, I understand that's not the case for a lot of people. Um, I think it's because I'm the second child <laughs> and all their like Asian traditional parenting went on to my brother. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they said, like, like I said before, my mom was the one who like pushed me to go to art class and continue to push me, you know, in these recent years for university and everything. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like extraordinary to have Asian parents who are so open-minded um and so like involved as well right they, they don't just like they don't just pay for my classes they they encourage me mentally as well which is amazing and i just but they do tell me that i'm an investment <laughs> they're like you you with this you are a stock that needs to grow and i'm like okay uh, there is that pressure <laughs> so it's like i can't fail but mm -hmm. you know they still love me so yeah i'm very lucky mm. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Props to Asian parents. I mean, social media does give Asian parents uh, too much crap. I do think they are evolving uh, to fit the Western world and immigrant parents. So mm -hmm. thank you, mothers. Thank you, fathers. Thank you. And hmm. okay, so what is you, you talked about um, people being uh, part of the epicenter of what you do so what would you say your ideal aesthetic is what what is the aesthetic that you want to capture through your art oh that's such a good question um let's see there are many many different aesthetics i guess um that i that i do want to show into the world this is something that i was struggling this year a lot too like there's always this pressure to have like a style as an artist, right? You have to have a distinct style so then people know you and recognize you. And I think that is really important, you know, but I'm 18. Like I barely went, I've, I've traveled to three countries max. <laughs> like I don't know anything about this world. And I thought at the beginning of the year, as I was making my university portfolio that I had to have like a distinct style. I had to be really special, you know? And that gave me a lot of, I don't know, it wasn't a good way to like approach art and all, you know? Like you're not going in there exactly trying to find um, like that one outcome. You're going into, you're going in not really knowing what to expect and then developing it as you go, right? But um, in general, like in my art, I do want to, just tell stories there's and that's very vague because um and that's why i keep it vague because that way i have more room to like explore stuff uh i really like telling stories about like uh people that you don't generally see in the community as much right so whenever i do get to travel i try to take a lot of pictures with permission of people um either on the streets or you know in different homes just to just to share that kind of story because you know that feeling you get when you just see a picture like in the National Geographic and that like it just it sends chills down your back I feel mm. like you yeah you yeah. like photography so yeah. you know what I'm saying and like I just oh, mm -hmm. I remember reading like stuff when I was a kid and just looking at those like portraits and looking at oh, different paintings and I'm like damn <laughs> like that that one hits like what is it about the visuals that just hit home 
um yeah so continue to explore people i'm not a huge fan of like landscapes or anything like that so maybe that's just not my aesthetic but i don't know maybe as i grow older it will be uh yeah yeah i don't like landscapes either when i take photography i don't like my mom always wants to take to record the whole view okay to take a picture of everything make the you know uh what is it honestly i don't know what any of the features are called on the camera i just the button do random things and it works sometimes yeah so like there's there's like a thing you turn and it changes the size of the picture no like the the amount of things it covers i i always make it as small as possible because there's something about because you talked about um recently uh not recently like a few moments ago you want to show people what they don't see you know the the divine in the mundane so to speak mm-hmm. and i i guess that's what part of what art is about like for instance a van gogh's uh sunflowers it's just a it's just a vase of sunflowers like what the heck <laughs> but um he sh- shows us like something that's so mundane but he 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 shows the beauty in the thing right he shows us what we the things that we don't see in um everyday sights so i i guess i guess that's what draws me to um photography and why i hate landscape i cannot do landscape photography there are some good ones yeah, like, i'll give it some rest- credit the, the name of that. Yeah, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I was reading a book on uh photography. It's called The Art of Photography. And um it talked about the <laughs> the all the elements of a photograph and uh how play of all these elements create this beautiful photograph and it says that if there's too many um juxtaposing elements then it loses that clarity of the narrative right mm. so what i've seen through at least my photography is the ones that people really like there's maximum let's say three elements ideally two uh for instance there's this one uh photograph that i took of a, a child holding a lego it's not a lego block it's like a wooden block but that juxtaposition between the softness the innocence of the uh, the child's skin complexion and the industrial um construction of this wooden block i think that's that's why i really like it you know something is just is just all over the place it, it, you know so i don't know, what do you think about that what what do you think sets good photography away from i don't know like <laughs> not good photography Oh, that's a really good point that you bring up. <clears throat> and that's actually like a a principle in art and design. So any kind of visual, I guess, art works um is that contrast, right? We like contrast between either light or dark stuff, you know, like you said textures, soft and hard. Um and I think because it's like visual things that we're looking at, that kind of juxtaposition really helps bring out whatever is being taken. a photo of right so subjects like portraits they're really good either you play with light uh you make the dark ground really like dark and then your your facial features light or like your your like your skin and texture i don't know why people why we are drawn to that though 
I'm not sure. I feel like it's just like a natural thing to see like that kind of contrast and then our eyes are drawn to it, you know? And that's that's like an element that I think is across all kinds of art fields, right? I remember when I learned piano, and it was not good at it, but I learned piano. And my teacher was talking about how you need that kind of balance between your left hand and your right hand when you play, right? You need something that's a little bit harder, louder, and then the other one softer accompanies it. So I think it's the same thing with paintings, especially um, even photography. Uh, it's it's that kind of balance and contrast at the same time. But, you know, it's hard to say what makes it good, though, because I don't know. There's like that, that's like a traditional way of looking at, okay, what makes a, a painting good, right? What are the lines? What are the colors? What are the balance and contrast? And then there's like the other one where it's like, we just want to break out of the expectations of what those principles say, right? And that's another type of art. Like we want to break out of what we know and put in all this crazy color and make everything the same texture and just see how it works. and. You know what? It works. <laughs> it does work sometime. Um, yeah, but I'm. I wish I would. I knew more about that though. It's very cool. Hmm. Would Would you say then that even then the avant-garde art that you're talking about still is juxtaposing in relation to the social and cultural environment that it, like that of of like the world you know it juxtaposes the world you know is uh art does art only exist within the physical constraints of that art piece or does it bleed into the world you see because if, if you have a more broader perspective you can say it also is is a juxtaposing contrasting uh piece of work yeah yeah definitely that's that's a really interesting perspective Krista um and <laughs> you know what <laughs> I just wonder like where we're gonna go with this and as in like the art like traditional um art is gonna go in the future you know is it gonna become like a piece of itself like the ex it's a its existence is like an art statement <laughs> to this very modern world that we have right um, and it's no longer what's inside that's really important. I saw this article that was talking about like the auction world, like the auction of art and how that business works. And they were talking about how in the past it was what was in that, let's say, okay, we're just going to say paintings for now. What was in the painting was what was valuable, right? That, that was the value that people got from it. But now th because it's been there for so long and our art, like the art of the world now has really moved on in a way. It's like the piece, like the existence of the piece itself that becomes valuable, right? How long has it been in the market for? How long has it been in that gallery for? That's what makes it, its price go up. It, that's what makes it valuable. And what, interesting. <laughs> I don't know where we're going to go from here, but you know what? It, it's an interesting way that things develop through that. Like our, our ability to value art at those prices, at different prices, it, it changes. And yeah. I just hope we can mm -hmm. still keep, you, like, the aesthetic part of it, though. Do you think that that's true? Do you think that we have exhausted all the possibilities with art? Ooh. You have good questions. <laughs> Do you think we have exhausted <laughs> it? I... I want to... 
Okay, no, definitely not. I don't think we have at all. We might just find different forms in it though. Like I see a lot of it now. We have like AI and technology included in you know art making, or um, like different art markets. And I don't think it's ever going to like be exhausted because if we think of music, we have centuries and centuries of different music compositions. And there's still more. It's just in a different vibe, I guess, <laughs> right? SoundCloud rappers versus classical Mozart, still music, mm. but extremely different. So <laughs> it might just get more abstract and abstract,、um, and then maybe it'll just make like a full cycle again, just like life does, right?、Uh, we'll see. Hmm. But I guess I question towards that, that is. Okay, so you talk about technology being more involved in the creative process of art. What are your thoughts on that? Because I would argue that I I agree that art is sort of a a way for us to project our idiosyncratic human, very human subjective experiences. And when you introduce technology into that, it almost distorts that、um, that form of expression. It it sort of like mutes the the amount in which we can express ourselves. It almost becomes it it becomes kind of like a lab creation. It's so artificial and stale, too clean.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've heard people like, for example, I'm in IB art, right? And the art like curriculum that they do is very still. I don't know European and traditional style, so they value like painting versus like digital painting or digital drawings, right?、Um, and that's just like their their perspective, I guess. But I don't know. I wanna. I really wanna agree with you with saying like, it adding technology takes away from that authentic human experience of creating art and even experiencing it, right? But At the same time, it's so hard to measure. Like, how are we going to distinguish this? Because I saw a recent、um, painting, or it was, I think it got auctioned for a lot. <laughs> I don't remember what it was called or where,、mm-hmm. but they programmed, I think, an AI computer or system to create an artwork, and it was, it was like, it looked like a real person did it. So it was like an oil painting, and it looked the brushstrokes were quite random, and it looked like a real like. I guess I don't even know how to define real, but it looked like a person created it,、um, and it was really scary, but also super fascinating <laughs> to look at that article and just to see how much we can manipulate art.、Um, it's fascinating because there's so many more opportunities now, right? Like obviously, when we have new things being introduced into a market, we're gonna lose something else, right? It's you gain a new skill, you gain this new addition, you're going to lose something else. But you also gain like a new—I don't know—it's like a new door of opportunities that you can explore,、um, and I think that part is like the optimistic, <laughs> optimistic side of looking at this new world. Because I honestly don't think there's any way to like prevent art and technology fusing together. You know,、um, there will、mm. obviously be groups of people who want to maintain that kind of traditional, you know, just style of. Like making art, but I, you know, I don't think if you want to really interpret it with the world, I personally think that you're gonna, you're gonna, you have to accept technology as a part of it. Yeah. 
but that i don't know it makes it hard <laughs> like what what are all the fine arts people gonna do um when ai makes the paintings <laughs> instead i'm not sure but I, I i think we should be open to it yeah i am i am part of that generation who opposes this new wave of like digital art i don't like it one bit i i I, because with a painting, you know, even with a, you know, P.A. Mondrian, Mond oh my god, am I pronouncing it right? I have no idea. Mondrian, it's like, oh, like, oh, okay, you know, you know, um, those paintings where it's, it's just square blocks of uh, primary colors divided mm -hmm. by black lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's like a very distinct style of art uh, from the 20th century and yeah. it's one of the last phases where avant-garde art was truly avant-garde and you know it looks so damn simple but it's impossible to fake one of these paintings people many people countless people have tried okay it's impossible to fake it because this guy Pierre Mondrian he, he would there's there's up to 14 20 layers of paint right mm -hmm. so and same thing with all these uh uh, great uh, painters of the past they they work on this uh one painting for i don't know like a decade uh uh, uh da vinci carried around mona lisa for like the entire for how how long you know the near the end of his life he carried it all the time and he would add to it so it goes with them the, this painting it has depth of character and you don't see the same thing with digital art. People would spend maybe, let's say, a month on the digital art piece or something. It, it doesn't have the same, uh, let's say, technical expertise and the depth of character that um, art used to have. What is your take on that? Yeah, there's, there's definitely, let's say, there's a definitely different experience when you're able to create art without mistakes and create art with mistakes right like when you're using your hands-on kind of work you're bound to make a little bit of mistake especially if it's a painting um and those are great those are they usually add to your work they add some kind of twist like you know they add things that people can't replicate in the future right um i do i like digital art but i also like i kind of agree with you i don't like how um dimensional it is and i I'm not sure like people can always go back and correct their mistakes and that's the part I think that separates it from what you're talking about from that kind of um like that kind of more authentic I guess painting style but I don't know if it like that's mm -hmm. really just a material kind of thing you know like that kind of material dimension that people can't replicate again but about like the authenticity of artwork it's a really, really interesting topic to explore because um, there's a TED talk. Man, I can't remember any of these guys' names. <laughs> there's a TED talk by this guy <laughs> who helped. What he did was he created, I think it was like over 25 different artists, like fake artists, right? It was all him, one person. But he was like, I'm going to create 25 different styles, um, 25 different artists, and I'm just going to make an exhibition for them, right? So he introduced each artwork with this wonderful name, a wonderful background, a wonderful meaning behind the work itself that's completely fabricated. So it was very satire. Um, and what he was trying to do was just kind of mock 
this industry right now that's saying like, oh, you have to have this experience, you have to have done these things, you have to experiment it over 50 times in order to come to this artwork. And his purpose was to show like one person can create these 50 different styles and still call it art, right? It can still work as an art, it just depends what kind of lenses you look through it for. Um, and I don't know, I don't exactly agree with the the message he was like trying to pinpoint there, but I think it's super fascinating to see like the way we view art changes, like the what we know about the artwork, like its background, its history, it changes how we see the art, right? And I just wonder if we take that away from the art itself, if we didn't know that this artist carried his painting for like 10 years and added onto it, will it still have the same impact or value to us? What do you think? I mean, the fact that you don't remember this guy's name means that he's like a he's like a D-list artist. Okay, so no nobody knows him. <laughs> nobody ever knows him. I have really bad memory. I mean, right? He's doing a TED talk. What kind of like uh, truly great artist does TED talks? Okay, they're off running into caves. Okay, or the middle of nowhere to to work on their art. So they don't have time for things like TED talks. Anyways, so I do think that there is a distinction between great art and you know like a normie's art okay a normal person's art i don't when i for instance like at the mona lisa okay or or great paintings of the past they capture these uh eternal truths about life okay and there's, there's, there's profoundity in the depth of, and the range of interpretation. Um, there's infinite narrative that you can place upon this and inject into this or like abstract out of it. So I can look at the Mona Lisa for like hours, right? But um, if I look at, uh, um, I don't know, like, uh, uh, like a digital art, like the Piss Christ, Piss Christ, the uh, Andre. Sir. I mean, that's a photograph, but still. Mm -hmm. Like, have you heard of it? I think yeah, so. so. Yeah, it, it's it's a photograph of um, a plastic uh, crucible, right? A crucifixion of uh, Jesus Christ, submerged in a beaker of the artist own piss okay and this person probably doesn't drink any water because like oh my god he needs to drink some water <laughs> and I'm looking at the picture right now yeah, yeah. there's this one interpretation it's really really third rate okay but it was really sa it's sacrilege okay it's sacrilege and this guy doesn't have any backbone you know oh, people asked him what is the meaning of your artwork and he's like oh i'm not it's not sacrilegious i'm just i'm just trying to uh you know uh, showcase the sacrilege of of uh christianity and catholicism in the modern world that's all i'm not trying to sacrilege yeah okay and you call it piss christ but anyways so i i don't like the 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 new uh era of art where art has become so simplistic in, in its narrative and its interpretation it's all become political so 
it is just personal taste perhaps but i do think there is something that's characteristic to art where there's a profoundity of experience mm, yeah 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 i think it is really like subjective it is extremely subjective when we talk about like these different artworks it's like the intention behind the impact that it has right um and i could totally see like what you mean though <laughs> like seriously you're gonna put a pair of glasses on the ground <laughs> and call it art <laughs> but people believe that right people will the thing is with art is that we attach the meaning that we want to the artwork unless obviously the artist is writing a statement about this is what my art is about right we attach meaning to the things and that is i think more valuable than the whatever like a already intended statement from the artist like when we interpret what it means how does it feel when we observe it right there's something that it's like you you learn a lot about the art from its history from its background from what the artist meant and you learn about from just your own reaction to it um so it's like different knowledge that we get from art <laughs> this is where tok comes in <laughs> what do we actually learn from these things <laughs> did we learn anything I, from I, fish fries yeah Right. To what extent, you know? But <laughs> my mom is taking photos of me. Oh, that's <laughs> so, adorable. Uh, that's yeah. So she because now I have a uh, a new office, right? Uh, I work mm -hmm. in this office, and she calls me like CEO Chen. It, it, oh my gosh, she thinks it's so funny. Like, mom, it's not funny. But anyways, okay. So. Um, what I was gonna say is, like, okay, when you were talking about uh, the thing about different interpretations, the artist's intention versus the audience interpretation, that's very interesting because um, have you ever watched surrealist films by Salvador Dali? I have not seen his films. No, that sounds really interesting. I think he only made two, but uh, one of them I really like. It's called uh, Le. Andalusian Chien and um, the purpose like how he created these films was that he, he took various uh, dream images that he had right mm -hmm. from when he was conscious and dreaming when he was asleep and he just attached it together to form this film and the intention of this film is to have no meaning at all right it's it's as Oscar Wilde said like art for art's sake there's no interpretation and anyone who tries to inject interpretation into art is a fool so however at the same time it's very hard if you watch this film it's very hard not to interpret it with a like a Freudian perspective you know interpreting interpreting uh, you know, the, the sexual dynamic between the two main characters, you know, mm -hmm. the influence of, uh, and, you know, they see, it's very hard to not psychoanalyze them. Yeah. Because what you learn about one of the co-directors is that he has a very difficult relationship with his mother, where his mother was, uh, like, schizophrenic and uh, committed suicide. So, there, there's, there's this distinction there's three things right there's the authenticity of the artist's interpretation there's the audience's interpretation and wait hold on no there's there's 
what the art. <coughs> sorry. It's what the artist said. Okay. What? Okay. Sorry. There's what the artist he's trying trying to say.、Mm-hmm. There's what the artist he like what we we think the artist is actually trying to say. Okay. Okay. I guess there's just two. Okay. <laughs> there's two interpretations. Never mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. I don't know where I was heading with that, but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. What you, what you were just talking about reminded me of that film and the、uh, different interpretations you can、uh, extract out of it. This is so cool. I'm gonna watch this later. <laughs> It'll probably be really weird, but <laughs> I love Salvador、um, Dali. No, but what you say really, it really makes sense in a in a way, <laughs>、um, like artist interpretation. Artist intention versus our interpretation, right? Like in our English classes, we analyze all these novels. We analyze it down to every single word that the author is using. <laughs> What does this blue door mean? What does it symbolize? And maybe he just wanted a blue door, you know? Like I sometimes think, I don't know. We might attach too much meaning to things, and make it, you know, exaggerated what the artist actually wanted to, you know, intend. But There's value in it. Like it's fun. It's fun to see what we can discover through our own interpretations. I think art just allows for like, okay, like art itself, like whatever the artwork is itself, it's like a toolbox. I think, and the actual message behind it, the actual meanings and global issues that it wants to、uh, present, it's it, it's up to us to like digest and take that in. You know,、um, obviously there are artworks that just. Explicitly say this is what I'm about, and then there are a lot. There are a lot that want you to infer, and sometimes there is no one answer to like what is this artwork supposed to mean, right? It's sometimes five different perspectives, and that's, I think that's wonderful because <laughs> that's kind of like it reflects our our reality in a way. Like there's no one answer to anything really, other than maybe science related stuff.、Um, there's no one truth in this world. There's always going to be different ways that people view it, depending on your own kind of background, your own、um, mindset going in. So, yeah, it's messy. It can get messy. It can definitely get very messy when we have contradictions and when it becomes controversial. But, you know, I think it's. It's important. It's important to kind of go with this kind of complicated discussions, and yeah, I just hope people don't like stop having these conversations. You know, like I think there's so much value when art is ambiguous, and、um, even if you think like it, it's so stupid in a way. Like, why would you just put three dots on a piece of canvas and sell that for a hundred million dollars? <laughs> Um, but you know that's a part of like giving it value, and I guess so. Yeah, really fun to navigate this world. Yeah, even if、um, you can criticize people trying to inject meaning into an artwork, even though it is not its intended meaning,、mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters in a sense. It it's cool to understand what the artist was intending. But if you can place a different narrative onto this piece of art and it works, then I, I think that is still a very important exercise. Because 
I was talking about this on um, one of my podcasts. I don't know if you saw, but movies, right? I think what movies help helps us do is understand, in essence, our own experiences, right? Our own fragmented experiences and uh, pieces of knowledge and anecdotal uh, uh, examples and align them in a narrative structure. So when we're watching, you know, a film, a really great film will reveal to us this idea and suddenly you know we'll watch the story unfold and something happens there's a climax and it clicks in our head and we start crying there's this emotional response because everything just makes sense right you suddenly understand oh um oh i'm actually and i was in love with this person my whole life but i didn't understand what love meant till this i don't know something like that so yeah so in in the same way i think art is a vehicle for us to um understand ourselves that's so true yeah. there's my <laughs> snapping preach it girl mm-hmm. yeah no yeah <laughs> because like i think i wrote i wrote an essay about this for school but like Yes, we learn from the artwork, but when we are viewing it, we also learn about ourselves not because of the way we react to like that artwork, you know? Like, why do we feel suddenly super emotional when we see this film, when we hear this music? Like, um, what is it about us that brings out this emotion? So it's a lot of, you know, you get to self-reflect on yourself as well when you look at stuff. Um, and yeah, I think it's there's just so many opportunities for growth um, in art and I don't know I hope people appreciate it like a lot more in the future as well you know I don't know people say that art is like a dying field in schools or in communities but I think it's like it what it's what holds people together you know especially during the like this time with a pandemic and everything feels super unstable you find that kind of um, you can find comfort in artworks you can find like knowledge in artworks that gives you more like curiosity or more reason to explore. So yeah, very cool. So I guess we were talking about the purpose of art for quite a bit now and we were dancing Mm -hmm. around the idea. So why don't we talk about it? What is art? What is art? Let me search on Oxford Dictionary so I can give <laughs> you um, a good answer because I don't know. Um, oh, and I hate on. saying that I don't know because I feel like I should have the answers. The expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. Okay. What is the definition of art? I feel, Okay, there's just, there's so many connotations to that word. I don't think we have enough time to go through each of them <laughs> because you know how people say about this is the art of science or the art of skateboarding you know there's there's that way of looking at art it's a skill that you practice um and then there's like what what it serves for what do you think art is Kristen? Thank you for asking. I was I was thinking about this, and I think there's three stages to art. And first is the, uh, I would say, the intentionality of its creation. Right? You can say nature is art, or I don't know. You can say I wouldn't say nature is art because 
I would say that it has aesthetic value, but does aesthetic value mean that it is art? Does something aesthetic value categorize it as art? I would say no, because just because something stinks doesn't mean like, I don't know, it's a fart or something. <laughs> so it's a, it's a adjective, but does having the adjective characterize it as the noun? So that's the first part. The second part is um, like what characterizes the artistic product. And then the third part is what characterizes the experience of art. Mm. Right? Because what I was talking about earlier was the foundative experience of art, right? But you have the same profound experience when you're on psychedelics, I guess. <laughs> So you mm -hmm. wouldn't say psychedelics are like is an art. Um, so I guess let's okay. Is that would you say that's a that's a correct analysis? Those three stages of an artwork. I think that's a good way to approach it um, because it's such a vague word, right? Um, but man, it is just so subjective <laughs> but i hate saying that like oh this is what it, it is what it is but uh there's there's just many many ways to approach it okay let's say like part of it is personal values like what do you value as art um some like you said maybe it's for you it's like paintings and stuff and not um like a ball of yarn but maybe for another person when you put that ball of yarn in a gallery it becomes art so i guess part of it is personal value like what do you what do you value as an art? What gives you that kind of impact? Like you said, like how do you experience that object or that um, phenomenon? And then the other one would just be like, how does society view that as art, right? Like as a whole, collectively, how do you view something as an artwork? We have that approved, um, approved acceptance of uh, traditional artworks or uh, music or different industries like people as a whole as a community accept this as an art right and i think because of that art is going to progress a lot through time it's going to change its meaning it's things are going to it's go, it's going to evolve right so yeah but if you think about like now what you think is art um i think we're in like that middle stage again back to like the very simple like very traditional mediums of art and then um technology infused stuff but i think at the end of the day art is anything that makes you just feel <laughs> you know like it makes it differs from science in a way because it's it it touches like that human connection way more than it mathematics and physics or sciences do right it it touches like and it makes it's oh my god <laughs> can i speak um there's one part where it's like you get to connect with let's say the world in a whole, and then you get to connect within yourself and art makes you, it gives you the opportunity to connect with yourself a little bit more. So whether it is music, whether it is film, a book, or a piece of like visual artwork, it makes you like, I don't know, 
you see the motion that I'm doing right now? It makes you go back into your brain and evaluate what you're feeling or how you're experiencing yeah. your memories. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to do like a video mm-hmm. recording next time so I can show people what I'm doing. Yeah. 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 This, mm-hmm, they will just understand it just like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was thinking with um, the purpose of art, there's different, there's different stages, right? Um, actually, I, I would say there's two different kinds of stages. Wait, no. I, okay, I'll just tell you two different theories that I've been juggling with. And okay. then you can tell me like what you think about it. The first one is of, I, I guess, my own creation, which is I've realized that art from human prehistory, you know, the Stone Age onwards to the early uh, modern European era, you know, ancient Greek, Rome, art was uh, followed the principle of mimetics, right? Which is mimicking naturally occurring phenomenon or objects. And, uh, and, then, and then you go from the medieval era to uh, the 16th century, like Renaissance, right? Where Art has transformed now into a higher, it is like up to a level of abstraction where it's seen as a instrument of worship, of deification uh, of nobility and the monarchy. And um, there's this kind of glorification of art where art was seen as setting a moral example. So um, you would, art was, yeah, so art was always showcasing something virtuous think napoleon on the horse well i guess that's that's okay wait hold on that's not wait is that renaissance i forgot who that close it was close shit anyways after Uh i I had to study that artwork i know like that painting from head to toe yeah yeah and uh and then you have 18th century to now so like i think it's like romanticism romanticism Mm -hmm. to now where art is seen as expression of the individual soul. And there is this reversal where, I mean, it's changing now, it's going back to the previous era, but during the romanticism, art was, um, art rejected the original uh, idea from the Renaissance where art should be setting a moral example and it should always be showcasing virtue. Romanticism was like, hell no. Humanity is full of evil. Nature is full of evil, and as well as goodness. But there is beauty in evil. There is beauty in insanity. So, and up till now, and now I think we're going back to perhaps the Renaissance stage of art, where art needs to be virtual. Art needs to convey a political message. Okay, that's the first idea. What do you think about that? I don't okay the the art that I look at more um is definitely more of like the more modern like it becomes it's tying in like consumerism with artwork more that's the one that I'm looking at more I haven't really studied like you know what they're doing in galleries or these big grand um art auctions stuff so I'm not going to disagree but I do think that instead of like going back to that virtueness I feel like we're going back to Stone Age. <laughs> Don't you feel that? Like we're we're heading way back into that kind of abstraction and 
that kind of like need to be remembered through our artwork in a way. I don't know. Maybe that's something that's always been common, like the need to be, to be in expressing, you know, whatever, like a concept that we have. Um, I see like a popular trend, like with the art world right now, though. So since this is like a time capsule, future Karina, let me know if this is actually working out. How how close are your predictions? But it seems like it's becoming more, you know, immersed into pop culture. You know, like so that kind of high end artworks. It, their their popularity, at least with the general public, is decreasing in a way, and it's becoming more integrated. It's transforming into like um, things that are more accessible to the people, like the common people, instead of being something that's super high class and um, only created by an elite group of um, individuals. So, yeah, that's that's. But I think it's still definitely there, like those concepts of um, idealizing something, right? Or um, what you said was like propaganda, <laughs> like stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but I enjoy the consumer, like the the way that it's bridging that gap between. Um, for a very long time, people thought like, for example, digital art or anime or that kind of stuff isn't true art, right? Compared to the Mona Lisa, it doesn't. They're like, it's not even on the same level. But now we see that kind of divergence of, you know, social media being integrated into. What we think of high class art, right? And it's it's kind of kind of forming together. So I think that's that's more where we're headed, like be, it becoming a more accessible thing to everybody in a way. Um, but whether or not in the content itself, it's becoming more Renaissance. Like I don't think so at all. I don't think we ever go backwards. To be honest, um, I know I just contradicted myself when I said <laughs> we we might go back to Stone Age, but <laughs> honestly, like we're being realistic, we don't ever really go backwards in in terms of art. We just might not differ that ex- like extraordinary. You know, it'll take a few hundred years for it to really really change. I think. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. in like what made you think that it was gonna it, it follows back into what you said like ritualism or Renaissance like? No. Uh, um, I guess, no, no, it's just a politicization of art and how mm-hmm. art was a vehicle of moral authority of, uh, you know, of representing proper form and proper mode behavior. I, mm-hmm. I would say that is interesting because before, like after the Renaissance, we had romanticism, right? And now, you know the now the politicization of art so i thought that was interesting it was interesting to note that cycle so i agree that we are advancing maybe it's like a bootstrap process where we begin here and we loop however distinct stages in these circular loops if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah it does make sense mm-hmm. yeah because um i'm nietzsche in his book the birth of tragedy documented two different kinds of art one he categorizes am i am i lagging okay a little, a little bit but you're oh yeah you just sound okay. like you're okay. taking your time when you're speaking no, like it, this makes <laughs> everything <laughs> sorry yeah keep going. <laughs> oh my god i need to like speed up my voice or something on the recording <laughs> no it's because for some reason you look so still so you you just look mm-hmm. frozen and i don't know if you're actually frozen or you just <laughs> oh 
don't don't move too much because you just froze there so it, it couldn't it couldn't like like it, it just couldn't take you moving it, your computer just didn't like that very much <laughs> but wait sorry where was that okay birth of tragedy Nietzsche so he documented two different types of art which is the Apollonian and the Dionysian Hey, you read Sexual Persona, the first uh, chapter, right? You should have saw this. But uh, Apollonian, which is art that has form, right? It's materialistic form. It's authoritarian in its lines and, uh, you know, pottery, uh, Mm -hmm. sculpture, architecture. And it represents logic, moral authority and um, righteousness. And on the flip side, the Dionysian embodies what Camille Alia calls the Chthonic aspect of reality, which is the underbelt, the world, the underground, the shadow, uh, uh, like figuratively speaking. Mm-hmm. And you see, it, it, there's this multiplicity of interpretation, unlike Apollonian art. You see this in poetry, in literature, in painting. Uh, well, painting is very versatile, I would so I would say. So there, there's these two distinct categories of art, and there is this constant battle in history of dominance between one style versus the other. I didn't call, call you Siri. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, what is your take on that? What do you think about that distinction? I think it's a fair like way of organizing um, our approach to art because the, you know there is a difference in like the more craftsmanship versus conceptual way of looking at something. Um, whether or not they are very distinct, though, I think it's hard to draw that line. Obviously. It's hard to draw any concrete mm-hmm. lines in art, right? Um, but I, I actually <laughs> I, I appreciate that that way of looking at it, um, and it is something that I think the the world or society uh, does debate a lot on, right? Craftsmanship technique versus uh, what just a more conceptual um, idea and intention behind something, and whether or not one has more value than the other, and I think honestly, it has to be both. Like, it's got to be like, I don't know. As an artist, though, you gotta just learn both, and you've gotta learn to appreciate both and see see like all the different differentiating uh, similarities and differences. But I don't think there should be like one that is definitely like better than the other. You know, like they mm-hmm. on a, they do coexist, and the, the thing is, you can't super like compare them because they they offer different different things to the viewer um it's one way to look at it but i don't know if it's really a way to really uh to really approach art through that systematic way of thinking i don't know this is why like going to university like for art and design i wonder if that will really change my mindset on how i see art right now you know because i will be learning it from professionals and i'll be learning it through a systematic way of learning whether or not that helps me improve as an artist um, or designer. Yeah, not too sure, but we'll give it a try and we'll give it like 15k <laughs> to try. So. 
it's interesting because um, with poetry, uh, poets, it, it, it is a male-dominated field all throughout history. However, this doesn't accurately represent male poets' attitude towards women because on the contrary, they were very ecstatic to pull women into their ranks. Uh, I forgot wh which stage was this, when this was, but, um, you know, these uh, male established poets, they were, they were very, in Europe, they were very welcome. Uh, they would, oh my God, they were very ecstatic to welcome women as apprentices because they think that women have this artistic, a holistic perspective on life. And it's biologically true to some extent because estrogen, it puts you in this Buddhist, like, uh, zone, you know, you feel... <laughs> full it's you, really? you, you become very introspective and reflective Not that's what that estrogen one, yeah. does and yeah and adrenaline makes you go you know you just want to push yeah. through you want to penetrate figuratively speaking and yeah so um <laughs> and women so i like to bring women into their ranks because Male artists, they tap into the feminine when creating artwork, right? They need this balance between femininity and masculine energies within them to create this profound art piece that can speak to a general audience or have this, present this profound experience to a general audience. So, but however, what happened, they were so enthusiastic bringing women in is that the, the woman, the woman, they would get like, because they were being taught a certain way of writing, because you can't really be, you can't really teach art, right? You can't, as you were talking about, you can't systematically, uh, uh, what do you say? Define art and define all the accurate, create art and you risk reducing it, right? You provide a reductionistic perspective. And that sort of boxes the aspiring artist into this box prematurely. And these women artists were unable to create their own style and, and rise to the top. So that's what happened with female poets. Rest in peace. <laughs> no, where did you read that, Kristen? No, but I, I see what you're trying to say. Like, when we're taught that we, I don't know, it's... Do you think that they were naturally going to bring a feminine like perspective? I feel like that might have been an assumption that maybe um, didn't prove to be true. It it does though, you know, your early education when you go into the art, like especially who you learn it from, influences your approach to art a lot. I do think that is true. Um, I, I switched to like a, a different artist, a different teacher recently. And his style was drastically different from what I learned when I was growing up. And when I when I was doing stuff at his studio, he was like, "You you draw like a boy." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and he's like, "You just have this like boldness that was just like." I was like, "Okay, I get it, but I also don't <laughs> like." Um, not sure why we associate like, uh, like a a kind of art style with your gender or with femininity or masculinity, but. I guess traditionally there is that kind of association, but I was like, cool, good to know. But, you know, it's, it, there's like no, I don't think your art style comes from your, your biological um, qualities that much as 
it does to your environment like how do you, how are you raised how are you raised towards art right the women they were in the, your story were raised under these male teachers then therefore learned their craftsmanship their way of viewing the world right so it, that's a, that's something that i'm also trying to i don't know i struggle with like trying to learn different perspectives when i'm approaching art right i've i've learned from um a very like s- limited view on what art can be or what are the possibilities with that so it's it'll be nice to to go to another place to learn this you know in a different setting but yeah it's we limit ourselves a lot when we're, we're when we're trying to learn something but we can also open our minds up more i think if we just understand that this is not the only way to do it right there's not one way to do it you can be masculine feminine whatever you want to be <laughs> all at the same time and it'll probably work out just fine so yeah that's an interesting story though <laughs> mm. Mm. well when they talk about the distinction between masculine feminine me your gender right whether you have like it, it's not based on what you have in your pants right it's more no, so no, a yeah. set of characteristics that are associated with um femininity and masculinity mm-hmm. but you can be a masculine girl obviously like i yeah. I'm, i'm quite masculine myself so yeah so it, it has nothing to do with your gender however there is this categorization it, it's the same thing as assertiveness or aggression so that's what femininity is associated with is um hmm I guess women like I guess it's associated with creative power I guess cuz oh my goodness this this is going into like other like deep philosophical yeah, we're, we're things Yeah we're going into but, like dimensions I don't know if we can reach at 9:30 <laughs> right now but... <laughs> Yeah well okay. let me see if I can tackle it really quickly okay, okay. so basically you can you can you can think of it Okay, so actually I'm not going to try. I don't think I have It's the okay. uh, mental bandwidth to That's all right. We might just cut that part out. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> no. No. Okay. So, no. Wait. Yeah, okay. So you can think about it this way. Um how human psychology works when we process information and we try to simplify it as much as possible right so we we have this instinct to re- towards creating symbols motifs that represent a large set of information within that category so how we develop the idea of femininity masculinity and certainness over time is by observing as women because women are on average more mass more start more feminine than men So uh when we observe over eons like over eons like like multiple instantiations of women being women we can abstract out similar characteristics that we can define in this category of feminine a country we do the same for masculinity so i guess that is how we came up with this categories but that doesn't mean women are feminine okay yeah yeah especially like with um the modern like art world now it's breaking those barriers we're tearing them down i feel like you know it's i i personally feel it's 
it is like an observation people can make, but I don't. I think it's quite unnecessary to associate that kind of like the background with with what you can create. I guess, right? Oh my god, I'm losing it too. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I'm I'm gonna just try to pick up as many distinct styles or different different like conflicting styles as I can, because I think. By the end of that, then maybe I can have a sense of what I actually want to be or what I can be. You know,、um, it's、mm. it's great to have style in your art, but it's also super super great to just open up your horizons. And、um, I'm gonna learn from every form of teacher there is, and I'll yeah, we'll see about it. It'll be fun. 